You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Hello, Sid Talk. How are you this week? Fine. And uh, what do you have to tell us before the after the show discussion? We had a, this. We should have recorded that discussion. You were saying how you it's don't not- care about. Um, more of something. I didn't say that exactly. Well, that's pretty pretty close. Yeah. No, that was your interpretation. Husband interpretation of what the wife says. What I said was, why do people have this desire to have to have more of a thing that they love? We were talking about TV shows. TV shows, stuff. movies, and whatnot. Like, you know, MASH has been over for a long time. There's a limited amount of MASH, the actual show. And I will watch those 11 seasons over and over and over. I do not desire a reunion show. I don't watch the peripheral shows. I don't need the aftermath. I don't need any of that. The thing itself is what I enjoy. Was there anything like that? Yeah. There was a show called Aftermath, and there was two or three different things shooting off. Oh. Tried, yeah. Not interested, because it's not MASH. I don't need the Oz movie. I don't need a follow-up to the Wizard of Oz movie. I don't need After Oz. I don't need... You know, any of that. Dorothy leaves nothing. I The movie is what I love about it. Now, I don't understand the crave, like, for more. That's what we were saying. I know, I was that, saying... That if I want <clears throat> Wizard of Oz, then I... If I'm not satisfied to watch that movie again, then I must not love it as much as I think I do. But if I can watch that movie 50 times in a row and be satisfied, then that's the that's the thing of it. Yeah, and I was saying, I'm obviously a big Star Wars fan. And you are the opposite of me. And there are new Star Wars movies coming. And I am excited for that. You'll take every character. But I will still go, but I will still go and watch, I watched Empire Strikes Back the other day. Um, I just, I just had it on my plex and just sat and watched it. But no, Star Wars isn't the same thing to me. Because they're continuing the story. Also, if it didn't ever exist, I wouldn't care. The, the prequels wouldn't have mattered to me either. I'm not a huge Star Wars person. They'll say Star Trek, because I like Star Trek more than I like Star Wars. I like Star Wars. But, yeah. but if there's never another Star Trek anything ever, that's fine. I have a lot of Star Trek to enjoy. In fact, you would rather they wouldn't have been those last two movies, right? Yeah, fuck him, man. That stupid flare. Uh, seriously, it ruins those movies. Yeah, I couldn't care less about ever watching them again. I mean, could... And I'm excited about the X-Files because they're re- they're coming back with the X-Files on TV as a limited run series thing. It's not like they're bringing it back for 10 seasons. But I think I also think, why not just continuously make new stuff? Because Star Wars didn't exist before it existed. MASH didn't exist. Wizard of Oz didn't exist before you wrote the book. And you the know, con- like new stuff is continuously made sure. also. Um, it's just, you know, there's some things I, I'm happy with the thing. But then I can't prevent them from keep making Star Wars movies now because it's just going to happen, right? They're just going to keep making them. I guess another example is like a band. U2 is my favorite band of all time. If they had stopped at Joshua Tree, that would have been fine. I would listen to Joshua Tree over and over. Well, my favorite band. I don't need to every year be like, when's the next album? When's the next album? When's the... I'm just not like that. Some of my favorite bands, The Smiths and Oasis. They're both split up, right? There is no more new music from either of those bands. But... The Smiths case, Morrissey makes his own music, and uh, Oasis, the two brothers, went off and made their own music too. 
Now, I I um, like some of the music that came after when they're not even in the bands better. So then, they're not, it's not Oasis though. It's not, but it's very similar. I mean, it's like it's you know, like if Bono left you two and went and did exist, the solo stuff, it wouldn't matter. Um, well, Except that he's it's a new venture for him, being on his own, doing his own thing. So that's a separate thing, I guess. It's just this squeezing every bit of blood out of a thing. Why I mean, there are things. Find a new thing. There are things like the Beatles. There's That'll a huge catalogue of the Beatles music there, isn't there? If you want to enjoy it, it takes you a long yeah, time. Yeah, and I don't need to listen to um, the radio show that's like 100% about the Beatles, all every detail of the Beatles' or lives. Or the B-side thing, or the demo tapes, or all that stuff. You know? I don't know what the B-side thing is, but... Well, there's, there's albums where it's like, oh, we found some demo tapes, so we made Oh, yeah, album. don't need any... Yeah. No, no. What exists is fine. Nothing enhances that for me. Once I've loved something or enjoy it, super satisfied by it, that's it. I, I don't, I don't need any filler. I don't need anything to pump it up or to keep it fresh or new to me. Because, like I said, if I can't revisit it and feel equally in love with it, then I, then I'm over it. True. So any supplemental information is not going to help make it better. All right, so that is the before the after the show discussion. And after the show is a podcast where we review movies. Hence the movie talk at the beginning there. So it's Saturday, June the 20th. Oh, that's misleading because the before the after the show is not always about movies. It is not. But this week we tried to stick to the plan. So uh, it's Saturday, June the 20th. This is after the show 381. Uh, We're going to review a new Blu-ray this week. And this week's release is Kumiko or Kumiko. 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 The Treasure Hunter. This is a 2014 movie. You'll be able to pick this one up. My date is wrong there, actually, on the release there. You'll be able to pick it up on the 30th of June. So we're looking at this a little bit early. It's actually available now on digital download, so you can pick it up that way now. It's rated... It's not actually rated anything. It's not been rated. And it's from our friends at Anchor Bay. And Sid Talk, you're going to tell us about Kumiko the Treasure Hunter. Can you give us a synopsis? It is a story, I mean, the story in the movie, it's a fictional story about a woman who seems quite down, somehow comes across a tape of a movie, thinks the movie, something in the movie is real, i.e. the the case full of money in Fargo, (laughs) that's what it is, and decides very unpreparedly to go find it. And we're talking about a mental health issue here, I believe. Yeah, I think so. 100%. And it's display. It's presented that way. It's beautifully presented that way in a way that you just... I mean, some people watch this and be like, Oh, she's just stupid. Well, there's this woman portrays it in a way that you just know something wrong. <laughs> like, there's definitely something wrong. And in her pursuit, we just... She goes on a hunt for treasure. And yeah. Does she find it? You'll, you'll have to see it to find that out. Oh, I'm but, sure we'll spoil it and tell everybody. No, we won't. So, um, <laughs> moving on to the movie itself. So, what did you think of uh, Kumiko, the treasure hunter? Excuse me, I'm yawning. Don't take it personally. Uh, so, is that what um, you thought of it? Yeah, <laughs> no, not at all. Oh my god, no, 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 no. After the last two weeks of movies that I was not super fan of. We watched Jupiter Ascending and Focus yeah. in the last couple of weeks. Jupiter Ascending, I had mixed feelings. I love the idea, I love some blah blah. Focus, bleh. 
So now I'm on a high because my overall impression sometimes of a movie is the memory of the feelings I have throughout. And as I'm watching this one, I'm just, and I'm not a sympathetic person Mm. or I don't have a lot of sympathy for people. I don't have a lot of compassion. It's very pointed, very specific. It doesn't go, I don't, I don't spread myself very thin. Then again, I can watch an episode of MASH where Margaret Hulhan is crying over a dog that gets run over and I start crying. So sure. I don't know. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's very... <laughs> but if someone can tell me their sob story about something horrible in their own life, not super horrible, and but... You, you possibly think... Oh, um, God, mm, get, this, get over there's it. There's worse than that. Oh. Yeah, there's worse things in life than that. The sob story is really getting boring, whatever. I guess it's the way they deliver it. But this movie's not a sob no, story. No, it is not at all. And that's what no. I'm saying. As I'm watching it, I'm experiencing this feeling of... There are people in this world, human beings, that I can't identify with. And I'm going to sound super arrogant here, but I don't. We, Everyone listening to this probably can identify. I don't have problems functioning in life. I have all the exact same boring problems that I think are problems. You know, you get bored at work and bills are a pain in the ass. And people get it on your nerves when you call to get help from the electric company. And husbands get on your nerves when they don't can listen to what you say things true. like that it is very true that's all just normal stuff and then you i have a coping mechanism for each of these things i think it through i have my life experience i can process things and i can move on or whatever there are people a lot of people either through genetics because the brain is not wired the same just different or because of their life experience or the way they've been treated or the I don't know, it could be anything, couldn't it? Malnutrition when they're babies, all kinds of stuff that can lead a person to become an adult and not have the capacity to see the world the way I, you and I do. Well, what's interesting... And I think it's this, be- this is what I kept thinking, that, that she represents, even though she's fictional, people who it must be terrifying sometimes to look at the world through eyes that you don't quite grasp everything that's going on. I don't know, but that's what I kept thinking. And that got me deeper and deeper into my compassion for her specifically and not like blowing her off or, or, you know, and what, what would I think if I came across her? What would, what would I, you know? So I was along for her journey and wanted to like, you like grab her up and be like, you know, explain very gently what was going on and why she was wrong, but not to hurt her feelings. And I just felt I was deeply connected. And that does not happen very often. And in this movie, we don't meet a mother. But (laughs) there are some phone calls with a mother. Yeah. And you can kind of see why she is screwed up. No, no, I don't think that's Um, it at all. I thought that was an interesting, subtle... Yeah, well, also everything. Like the way people are in a in a job. And and Japan also is... uh, is This this movie, half of it takes place in Japan. The culture of Japan is portrayed in a way. It's like... And as we know, there's a... In... Japan has this old-fashioned kind of servant, subservient attitude. And it still goes on in modern-day Japan. And... It's it's actually in this movie. It's observed between a boss and her, or just how it is at work. Maybe not every work. We not every say. work, but yeah. in this work, it's these women. There's some tradition that's left over. I think it's now. old fashioned. It's, yeah. it, and it's you know the men are dominant and the women are serv- servants, and they they bow their heads and they don't do eye contact. It's weird. But if you talk to other people who are Japanese, they're going to say, "Ugh, that's just so old." But fashioned. it does exist, um, and she's in this world. 
And, and you know, it's just got a lot of subtlety to this movie. Loads of layers What's to it. What's the constant question? Are you getting married? Are you getting married? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. A mother. When you have, like, when you have, you have not no just worth. Your mother, her boss, her boss, or people, yeah. or women There's around no her. There's no worth, like, to her because she's not like everybody else. Well, because she's not married. Society is pressure. Yeah. It pressures her. Like, but well, it doesn't think... pressure her because she's, she's... But I don't think that's her issue. I mean, it gets to her, but she doesn't... I think her her issue is she has mental health issues. Yeah, I mean, and it, uh, that's what I'm saying about this movie. It's got loads of detail uh, that you don't... They don't have to say things. Um, just looking around her apartment. A little bit horny. Things she does at work. Um, you know? Yeah. There's... It's quite clear there's something about her that's different to the other people. And then, you know, there's the, the glamorous girls over there talking about eyelashes. Yeah. And, it, and, she's and they just seem perfectly stood, happy and perfectly... Yeah, which yeah. you'll go to your works and see that occurring. But then she's just stood over to the side. You know, I feel like she's content, maybe not happy, but content. Oh, I don't think she's content. Staying away from this. Is is her happiness like she's better off over there? I don't think there's any happiness in this person at all. See, I do think. I don't think some. so unless she's playing with her rabbit. Oh yeah, that's the only thing. Everything else is misery, except for this quest. Yeah, but I'm saying how she feels better about herself is to stay away from that stuff. Like mm. she she would, doesn't want to. F- some people would fit into that stuff, even if it they didn't to try and go along with it. I you think know, the opposite. I think she feels more like shit about herself because she doesn't fit that. And they're right there and that's the way you're supposed to be and I'm not, so... See, I don't... You know? I think... I don't know. It could be either way, but I I, I don't know exactly just from what I took from it that she's, you know... There's no contentment. Happier over here. She's not happy, though. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say happier like she's going, Woohoo! This is she's awesome! Not, there's no happiness in her at all, though. I'd say happier over here like than sitting at that table with them. But that's but, not accurate. Um, well, I think it's accurate. No, there's no happiness you know, in her. Uh, a movie's about interpretation and people, you know, I have a different interpretation than you. You tell me what looked happy about this woman. I'm just saying in that one <laughs> instance she looked happier to be on, herself, be on her own than to... If she sat with them and just interacted with them... I think she'd be she exactly the same. No, I think she would be worse. Nah, I think she'd just sit there with her head down and just... I'm saying if she... I'm not saying if she sat there with her head down. I'm saying if she interacted with them just to get along and be in that group, that would just be misery. Because like she's not interested in it. She's. You see her not being miserable ever. No, she would be totally miserable if she did that. Yeah, I think she's totally miserable all the time. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I think you just don't understand what I'm saying. I understand what you're saying. There's no happiness in her. No. Well. No. She's no, I mean, she's not a j- jump-for-joy kind of person. There is some hope in her on occasion. Yes. But it's very singular focus towards yeah. this plan that she's got, the treasure hunting part of her life. But that's where that's where Which her is a fantasy happiness, thing. Hope, happiness lies in her hope for this thing, and that's it. Now, we have to say, this is based very, very loosely. There was a real... And I read about it. There's a wo- Let me say, there's a woman who did come from Japan... In real life, went to Fargo and committed suicide. That is the actual real story. That's, That's the it. Real story. That's the whole real story. Nothing then, to do with the movie. Nothing at all. Then uh, what happened is people thought that was an interesting story and went and investigated it. And then news reports came out where they were kind of twisting uh, Chinese around. whispers, where it's like, oh, this is uh, this happened. Oh yeah, she came because she saw the movie Fargo, and and yeah. things happen. And people exaggerate and story become urban legend. And 
people misinterpret things. Yeah, so this, <laughs> so the story became, and it was even reported upon, the story became, oh, there was a woman in Japan, she saw the movie Fargo, she thought there was some real treasure buried, she came to Fargo, and then we found this body, and she was looking for it, and she died looking for it. Whereas the real story is a lady... Killed nothing herself. to do with the movie. Killed yeah. herself. Nothing to do with the movie. Just happened to be found in Fargo. Right. Dead. And she was from Japan. So, it, I've, that idea is. This a, is like, what would it be? What would this woman, this fictional woman, be like? And yeah. what would her journey be like if she ever existed? Yeah. And there's a bit of a dreamy kind of quality to it, I think. Like a. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting, it's, it's an interesting way of portraying it. Because you might think, oh, it's disrespectful because a real person died, but it's not about that. Hmm. It's about some story that was told, but then elaborating upon that story even. So it's got got this multi. But um, the story itself, I was in, I, I loved how the two halves of the movie, like half of it's in Japan, half of it's in America, and how different that is. And the language barrier thing when she gets to, you know, it's difficult. But she I, speaks English. Yeah, but it, but there's, but not totally. She doesn't speak English. I think she does, but she's just focused, and she doesn't really want to venture out from what she wants to do. You know. See, I didn't. Otherwise, Where she did would you never pick be. Up? She speak English. She spoke English all the time. Yeah, sure. just bits and pieces. Like she knew. Right, but there's no way she could have got a cab or anything else if she didn't understand English things, like what things say, well, and you know. Yeah, see, I I think she had rudimentary English. That's why the cop, she the cop was looking the cop. See, and that is a real story. There's a cop. She runs into a cop, and the cop. Spoilers. We're just telling you the whole movie. <laughs> the cop decides, like, oh, I can't speak to her because she doesn't speak English. So, but he, she does speak English. They are. She is speaking. Well, I'm English just telling to you him. what happens in the movie. That, I know, but she was speaking English to him. Yeah, he speaks English to I'm her. I'm saying in real life that in the real story, right. a story was told. Uh, it was true about this woman that she the woman who came to Fargo who died nothing to do with the movie found a cop spoke to a bunch of cops actually that's what the real story is and the cops being kind of ignorant went to phone Chinese restaurants up to try and find somebody who speaks Japanese in Chinese restaurants but that's actually that's actually in this movie I'm not sure if that's that super far-fetched unless they're just being completely racially or nationalistically ignorant but I I could possibly think that someone from England might speak some French because you're near France and you're around French people a lot more than I am yeah you're not many right but what I'm saying is that's a reasonable assumption and Japan is right next to China and the thought that they might teach each other's languages to their children in school is not that far-fetched so I don't know if that was the, his their motivation, but I wouldn't think that's super far fetched unless you're just so stupid you think everyone who's Eastern Asian speaks all the same language. But this is a this this movie was like fairly low budget. Um, I was looking, and it doesn't feel low budget. I think it does. I didn't think it felt low budget at all. I think I think the cinematography was really good. Like it, it felt like somebody. I don't know if it was digital or film, but it it always looks good. It looks very the Japanese half to the American half. They they look they he kind of like as a different technique when he gets to America. It's more, the camera's more detached, like she's. It's more. There's a lot of like there is in a lot of indie movies. There's a lot of those shots where 
the it's following the character from behind. But in the Amer- when it got to the American section, it just felt different. Not just because they're in America, but I didn't think it felt cheap the movie at all. And this really was fairly cheap movie, you know, to make. Uh, interestingly enough, you do use Fargo in the movie. She does put Fargo clips in... Clips from the movie. Yeah, she puts it in a v- VCR at home and you see the opening to Fargo and you see a fast-forwarding through and it's it's clear it's Fargo and not some knockoff movie or whatever. But there's no um, credits to Fargo in the credit. I'm, I'm interested in that. Um, there's a, there is a commentary on this disc that I've not seen yet, but he, they don't acknowledge, like, you know, as you've seen in any movie... If you watch Ferris Bueller's Day Off and there's something on the TV in the corner, and it's what there is something, isn't there, in Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Max Headroom is playing on the TV. In the credits, it will say copyright Max Headroom, copyright whoever owns it. There's none of that for this movie, which I find. It doesn't really affect the movie, though. No, I find, I'm just saying an interesting point that that is odd. I've never seen that in my entire life. Have you, yeah, but have you, have you ever read every credit of every movie? Uh, I what I do read credits of movies, and I always see that section that says this song's from here and that clip's from there, and Larry King is copyright of this because he was on the TV once in the movie. But there might be a few things that get slipped by you. You might not have noticed that. Well, this is like, clearly a Fargo-related movie. Right, but they never say the name of the movie because it shows the name the of the city. Fargo. Right, but that's also the name of a city. No, I mean the credits. Yeah, of the no, movie. but I mean that's also just a city. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So they don't say. He never says the movie Fargo. She never says it. She says she wants to go to Fargo. And then you got those little clips. Plus, you know. Steve Buscemi uh, gets some screen time in it. You <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Of... Over and over. And while I was watching the scene, you know, the very famous scene from Fargo with Steve Buscemi burying the case, I was I was like, oh, go and watch the TV show. Because they even... You know what? I completely forget about that when I think about the movie. I only think of The Wood Chipper. And her being attacked in the sh- or falling on the shower on her own kind of thing. Those are the main things I remember. I always think of the scraper. I don't. Thing. And if you go and watch the TV show Fargo, the season they made it, they actually tie it into that mm-hmm. too, which is really interesting. The exact same thing. So it is a thing that's ongoing there. Um, so Not a real thing. No, <laughs> we don't want to mislead anyone. It's fictional. But anyway, what I want to say about before we go into the cast, I think this was a fantastic movie. It's like a, it, I, I like how it's kind of like ethereal almost. It's it's like you're in a dream following somebody. It's kind of it's meticulous. Like it's it's very scenes are given room to breathe. Like it's not like fast Definitely. fast fast. There's like lots of there's lots of scenes at the beginning where you know it's in Japanese and. There's lots of long, lingering kind of, you know, two people sat at a table talking. Well, it's not, let's just get to this conversation. It's like, how are they, how are they looking at each other? What's, you know, there's a lot of that in it, which I really liked. Mm-hmm. It makes it feel more real, I guess. Or, but they, or then again, it also makes it feel a little bit odd to the side, you know, like a fairy tale or something. Um, I, do don't, you, I disagree about the fairy tale thing. I think that was the, a seed that was planted <clears throat> in your mind. Bye. You read it after you watched the movie, and now you keep using it. But I don't think that is no. What I thought it feels that like. too. No, folktale is what I read. Fairy tale, I think. No, you said fairy tale. We no, I said folktale on that quote. So I was like, oh, a modern day folktale, which I could also see that too. But you know, it's 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 kind of abstract a little bit. It's not 
you know the 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 I'm not going to spoil the ending, but it's like it's all abstract kind of concept. Mm, I disagree. Okay, so uh, moving on to the cast, uh, Rinko Kikuchi plays um, Kamiko. Now you'll know her actually if you've watched. If yeah. Well, yeah, a lot of people did watch this big, massive summer blockbuster called Pacific Rim by Guillermo del Toro. It's a couple of years ago. They're actually making a sequel to it. Um, and she was like the kick-ass samurai woman. Yep. She was like a samurai. Uh, so you'll have seen her there. And you'll have also seen her if you watched a film from, whew, it's quite a few years ago now, called Babel, or Babel, like the Tower of Babel. Um she was also in that. She there were, that Babel was split into like three stories, and her story was the Japanese story, and she was a schoolgirl in Japan. Do you, do you remember that? Of course. She went like uh, nightclubbing and stuff in it. I'm looking up to tell you the year, 2006. Yeah. So, and that's a Brad Pitt's in that movie, and a, a lot of people didn't see that movie. Um, but I really, really liked that movie, and she was one of the highlights of it. So, what did you think of her in this? Amazing. Absolutely. I was like I said, I. She did everything in a way that made me think of her as a real troubled, but not knowing she's troubled person. You know, she's not fully aware. Or not- she's only a tiny bit aware that maybe what she's doing is just, uh, like, there might be the, the tiniest sliver of this, but she's clinging to it so much. And her every look, everything she does... Am I right to say she's in every single scene? I can't think of a scene without her in it. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, if you... She's... You know, she... Some... There's... She says what stuff, but there's often... She has to... She doesn't speak a lot, so she um, emotes everything. I mean, you get get what she's thinking a lot of the time. Yep. Uh, So, yeah... even though she does really good acting, she doesn't actually speak a ton, especially not in the second half of the movie. Um, David Zellner plays the policeman. Mm-hmm. He's actually the director of this movie. Uh, He's good. He reminded me of my friend Richard. He reminded me of somebody. Because my friend Richard would have done the exact same thing. Yeah, he would have been super help. compassionate and really tried to understand. And once he realized that she was on a quest that was not quite right, would have tried anything to help her. I liked how he kept telling Genuinely her. Genuinely help her. Not like get rid of her or pawn her off on somebody else. But he would take her, just like he said, he wanted to take her through the whole thing. And so that his portrayal of that person, like super nice... Not like a doormat kind of person or like a fumbling person that we see in like the Fargo TV show where we do get a little, or the Fargo the movie. Unfortunately, we get a lot of Caricature that sort of, yeah. yeah. He's just genuinely and does it, I think, really, really well. Yeah, and he directed and starred as the policeman. Um, Shirley Vernard plays the old woman. I thought when she, when she met the old woman, that was a really interesting scene. Because she bumps into certain people along the way. Mm-hmm. And she's in a blizzard, pretty much, walking along, and this old lady pulls up in a in a well, car. it's not a blizzard, but it's a bat. It's like wind, like cold wind that makes you shiver to your bones. Really, when you're watching her walk down the road without a coat on. Old lady pulls up in a car and uh, takes her to her house, and the old lady just wants. The old lady is obviously lonely and wants. So we're just telling the whole movie. <laughs> no, tell her. Yeah, I agree with you, but I'm just saying. I'm saying the old lady is obviously lonely and wants a. Just a companion, somebody to talk to or whatever. But uh, 
she's she's really I thought she did well too. Like and she doesn't have a ton of time in this movie. Mm-mm. In fact nobody has a ton of time in this movie aside from Kamiko. Nope. Um who else did I put down? I put down uh Ichi Kaya I'm sorry for to all these Japanese people who I'm butchering the names. Ichi can you say that one? Kaya Kaku. Kaya Kaku? I don't know if that's right. But anyway, he's a library security guard. And I thought he was awesome. (laughs) Like, because she goes to the library to get a map. And the scene that ensues between her and him is just... There's not a lot of words in that either, but you can... There's there's a lot going on behind their eyes. Like, it's it's interesting. Um, And Nabaku. Nabaku. I'm terrible at these names. He plays the boss, her boss. And yeah, there's this old-fashioned... Yeah, but he's good. He okay. does a good job of being... You don't particularly like to, him. Yeah, but I don't dislike him. I feel like he's trying to, like, he takes those deep breaths and does that thing where he rests back on his elbows, like, I know that there's something wrong here. And, and you're just not like the other girls. But I can't... There's actually nothing I can do except keep encouraging you to go along with the Borg mentality, like... And then he, you know, pulls the shitty move. But still, I think that throughout, he's... Thinking about it. And I think he did a good job. And then Bun- finally I put down Bunzo, who plays Bunzo. <laughs> and she has a pet rabbit in this movie that she um, is is a, is a character in the movie. Is actually a genuine character in the movie, I think. Hmm, I disagree. Just a rabbit. So, no, uh, no, there's way more to him than a rabbit. He, From her he point means of view, something to her yeah. and she means something to him. It, it, there's a... I don't know about that part, but... Yeah, there's a... Emotional bond both ways, I think. Well, obviously, he wouldn't survive if she didn't look after him. You know, it's a... Yeah, but it's nothing to do with her. I like the scene where she's feeding him noodles. Yeah. And that's really bad for rabbits. She shouldn't do that. So don't do that, everybody. Rabbits have really, really... um, The digestive systems are very, very... They can only eat a certain one thing. How do you know this? I have looked them up before. We had a sick rabbit at school. And... uh, it's, if you give them anything that's not what they eat, leaves. Carrots. It screws with them. Vegetables. Vegetables, yeah. Anything. Like, give them, give them some chocolate, give them anything. Because, you know, kids in school trying to feed the rabbit everything. That's why it got sick. Right. So don't, so don't feed your rabbit weird shit, because they're not supposed to have it. Um, maybe they get used to it. So, uh, <laughs> so this is directed by David Zellner. I'm not actually um, familiar with this guy at all. Are you? They made they they're brothers actually, the Zellner brothers, and they made two other movies, independent movies that are like done really well at Sundance and Cannes Film Festival. Um, but I'm not familiar with their work at all, so I've never heard of them. No, and and in the indie kind of you know film festival circuit and everything, they're kind of renowned for like all oh, these guys make these really quality movies. They made two others, um, so this one was uh, like anticipated by people from them. So, but I'm not familiar with them at all, so I can't really... All I can say is I really like this movie. I like the guy yeah. acting in it. He, he seemed, you know, he really got into that part as far as I was concerned. And they've definitely got an eye... You know, it looks good, the movie. It's it's an interesting looking movie. It's uh, interesting to watch. I don't think it's slow or boring. I think it's, you know... I'd watch another hour added to this movie if it's of the same quality before I'd watch ten minutes of focus from last week. Except for that one scene with the guy in the car. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> <That's> I, <it. laughs> 
So extras on this Blu-ray, unfortunately there are not that many, but there are there is a commentary by the two direct well, one director and the and his brother. And there's also um, They also wrote it, by the way. Yeah. The two of them. And the there's also a deleted scenes package with two of them are kind of comedy, really. Uh I I actually kind of I, I did not expect those. Mm-mm. So I actually thought they were, those were quite fun. Al- would you say alternate? Yeah, alternate. And what did they call it? The first one, doom, doom, some like gloomy ending or something. There's another grim, ending. There's grim not. finale. That's it. Yeah, but it even rolls the credits very fast. But there's two. You know, it's it's quite cool. Um, as far as deleted scenes go, though, it doesn't add anything. Nope. It's just really a couple of jokes and like another scene that. Uh, so there is nothing else. But um, in conclusion, it doesn't really need anything else. Great. Because I went to Wikipedia and just looked up the real story, and you'll get a good hour of having a look. If you look into that, there's a guy, uh, the British guy who wrote the, um, he made a documentary. You can go and find that documentary. Uh, But he also uh, wrote a big piece for The Guardian in the UK, and I found that article from years and years ago. And that explains, like, this is what people think happened, and this is really what happened. And he really goes in detail with all the names of everybody. So if you want to research about the real thing, go and have a look at that Guardian article. So, conclusion, I am giving this really a thumbs up or whatever you do. Do we have a thumbs up? That's trademarked. I think uh, Ebert doesn't mind anymore. Oh, my God. <laughs> Neither does Siskel. If we want to be really straight, straight up. What was the other guy? Roper. Oh, he still does yeah, it Yeah, but Siskel and Ebert were the original. Yeah. They're both true. good. They um, invented it. No, this I, is an excellent movie. Excellent. You yeah, you should... Uh, it resonates, it gets my mind going, it makes me think about... It's beautiful to look at, um, and yeah, it's... That we all take a lot of things for granted and how, like, we can actually function in life and make the most of every situation when you don't have an actual medical or chemical or genetic problem or otherwise other mental health issue that's been caused by external things or whatever... That when you don't have, you just, and you still bitch and moan and like, oh, life's so hard and ugh, ugh. It just makes me think, you people are even worse than I thought you were before. I'll bitch about a lot of things. But I just think life is grand. So I think, unfortunately, there are people who fall through the cracks and struggle. And this made me think of that. I think this Blu-ray also probably has a cover. That you, I like that cover. Mm-hmm. I think it's really striking. Yeah, There's yeah. also another cover for the... the not a cover, but the movie poster. The movie poster is really cool. It's like a, a artwork with a videotape and a, and her and the bunny in the corner. So, um, yeah, thanks to Anchor Bay for the Blu-ray. And if you want to enter a contest, not to win Kumiko, but to win... You can either win Monster, the sequel to Monsters or The Road Within. And we're giving those away. Uh, go to com. You can win. Next week's Blu-ray review is Run All Night, starring Mr. Liam Neeson. We're going to have a look at that next week. And movie recommendations. What are you going for? You first. I am going for, obviously based on this movie, Babel, or Babel. Um, Yeah, you definitely should see that movie. I think it's really, really awesome. You'll think about it for a long time afterwards. I can still see scenes from it now. Isn't Babel B-A-B-B-L-E and Babel is B-A-B-E-L? It's Babel, like the Tower of Babel, so I imagine I should say Oh, we say say Tower of Babel. Oh, you do? See, that's what I mean. We say Tower of Babel, so... Because Babel is B-A-B-B-L-E. Like, if you babble on about something... Yeah, right. Babble on. This is like the Babel from the Bible. Babel, like the city. Yeah. So, um, 
And uh, my second one is Amelie, which is a French movie, which when I was watching this movie, even though this movie is not about hope and happiness like Amelie is and love, there was something, there was something connecting them in my mind. Like I just kept, it's the way it looks or something, you know, because that is also a gorgeous movie. Amelie. They don't look the same, but I know what you're saying. But it has a gorgeous There's attention to, to detail yeah. that you... Colours are used very... You know, there's colour used in this movie for particular things. But, um, yeah, Amelie. Mine are... Station Agent. Also kind of a quiet, you know... Independent. Movie. Yeah, you're not really... There's not a big thing happening. There's moments of walking and contemplating and sitting with characters and... I just I remember it being very that Peter calm. Dinklage was literally he'd never done he was you know, really young nobody knew who he was he was the up and coming actor and that was if you like Peter Dinklage now because you loved him in Game of Thrones you should really go back and see that and my other excellent. one is adaptation because I was trying to think of another movie where you get this weird like is this real is this what is going on an adaptation totally will mess with your head if Nicholas you're not Cage. just just watch it and like just. <laughs> Let it be what it is, because it can be it can make you feel confused. Yeah, it's a uh, bizarre. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it definitely corresponds to this film. Um, so games are basically stuff. So I've not been playing any games this week, or I have, but nothing that is new. But what was what happened this week? I don't know. <laughs> it was the, oh yeah that thing. It was E three this week, Electronic Entertainment Expo. So what I did over the week of watching E three. Um, I put down, and not everything, the things I thought, personally, were interesting. So I'm just going to go through them really quickly. And uh, I'm going to start where E3 started with Microsoft's press conference. And what they announced first was um, Halo 5. Uh, I'm not excited about Halo 5, but it looks like Halo. You know what I mean? It's like another Halo game is coming out. Yeah. And I know Halo's for specific people. Like the people who play Call of Duty every year, Halo. The no, Halo. no, that's fair. You can like my friends, my one of my friends, Squiddy. He's Halo man, right? <laughs> so Halo is the thing. He, when Halo, when a Halo game comes out, he buys it, and then until the next one comes out, he buys nothing else. He just plays Halo, right? He plays with his friends. They play deathmatch every night, and he literally plays it every single day of the week. For, like you used to with Call of Duty for years, yeah. Which I've kind of moved to Destiny, doing it with Destiny, but um. Halo 5 just look it looks gorgeous, let me say. It really looks gorgeous. But they always did Halo games. But, you know, it is more Halo. Like, I can't... I can just... I can't get excited about Call of Duty and say, oh, there's a new Call of Duty and look at all this new stuff because Call of Duty is... What do you call it? Iterative. Is that right? Is that the right word? Where it's just... It's just like... There's a little few extra things on from last year's thing. But but fans it's will that be thing happy. Where they're bleeding bleeding it out to keep people interested. That's what I don't get. Yeah, kind of like that. Yeah. So Halo Five, you know, it, it, it's coming. Um, next, they uh, Microsoft showed a game called Recore, which is R E C O R E Recore, and it looked like Destiny. It looked all, the actual artwork and everything looked like Destiny, but it was cute, like uh, Ratchet and Clank or. Jack and Daxter, that kind of thing. So it was like a platformer game. No, I don't know if it was a platformer game because it was a CG trailer, so you don't really get to see what it was. But it's called Recore, and it's a brand new IP for them, so I put that in because new things are cool, aren't they? Yes. You know, when it's not just Halo 5. Yes, you yes. Know? Um, 
Then they announced that the 360, uh, well, the Xbox One will be backwards compatible with 360 games. And they announced it and said that will be available by the end of today. And then, uh, you know, if you're in this preview program that they do. So 100 titles are announced. I think this is a big deal, actually, to announce backwards compatible for a console that's been out for a year. Because the Xbox One's been out for a year, and you could not play 360 games on it. You had to keep your 360 at hand if you were still playing those games. But now, they're going to allow you to play all your 360 games on the Xbox One. 100 titles at launch, but they want to expand it to all of the titles, they say. Now, and what they've also done, which I thought was interesting, is you can vote for the games you want to see. So they've got a, they've got a thing on their webpage where you can say, I really want Mass Effect from the 360 to work on the Xbox, and they'll they're taking the votes and working on the ones that are highest first. Red Dead Redemption's right at the top, so people want Red Dead Redemption on the on the Xbox One. So you can do that now uh, if you're in that compatibility thing. Here's another sequel Microsoft are doing, Forza Six. So they've got a new racing game. It's the sixth one. It looks like another racing game. You can't really say too much about racing games. Uh, then they announced Rise of the Tomb Raider. I'm a little bit annoyed about Tomb Raider because Microsoft spent a load of money to own Tomb Raider, basically. So it's now exclusive to the Xbox, which I own the PS4 and the PC. Um, so I won't be playing it until... And this is the bit I'm annoyed about. They don't specifically say. They say... Rise of the Tomb Raider. And you've seen it. It looks cool, doesn't it? Yep. And it's the next one in the series, so, you know, the story is continued. But what they say is, Rise of the Tomb Raider, um, only on Xbox One, holiday 2015. That's the thing. It doesn't really tell you anything aside from it's only on the Xbox One. But is it going to be on the other systems in January? There's no... You'll find out. It's coming to other things, because, I mean... I have a prediction. You'll be okay. Yeah, I know, but I'm saying <laughs> I don't like those kind of deals where they lock it to one thing, and I understand why they do them, because they want to sell... They'll make a special Xbox One that's got Tomb Raider in it, won't they, and say, look, Xbox One, the only place to play Tomb Raider. And they'll sell some. But I don't like that kind of deal. I never really have. Um, Fable Legends is the next one they announced. And what's great about... You remember Fable, the game Fable? Yes. Well, the new Fable game, what's great about the new Fable game is it's the game that they're going to launch Windows 10 with. And also, it's going to be on the Xbox One. You can play cross-console. So somebody on the PC can play with people on the Xbox. Right. Or the other way around. And the best thing about Fable Legends, I think, is it's completely free for everybody. Because it's the game that they're going to pack with the Xbox and the game that they're going to pack with Windows 10. So uh, you do not have to pay money for it. It is free. You can play it with your friends. It's the new Fable game. It's not a spin-off from Fable. It's actually the new Fable game. And it being free, it's crazy. The best thing, really, right? Isn't Destiny free? No, 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 no. $60 for Destiny. $20 for the expansion packs. What was it? There was another one that was free recently in the last couple years that you played a lot of. Hearthstone is free. Yeah. But you do have to pay if you want better... Yeah. Yeah, you, you know, it's one of those things. Uh, and then finally, Microsoft announced um, their remastering, Gears of War 1. So they showed that, Gears of War 1, and then they remastered, they're saying it's remastered. It's coming on the PC and the Xbox One. And then they said, and just one last thing, and then they showed the trailer for Gears of War 4. 
So Gears of War is coming back after many years of yeah. absence. Uh, so there is going to be a new Gears of War, but that will be holiday 2016. That was the end of Microsoft's conference. Uh, I thought there was some interesting stuff in there. But then Sony came along. And I, what does it say at the very top of my Sony thing there? <laughs> <laughs> Shenmue fucking three. So what game do I really love? Shenmue. Um, Shenmue's... A lot of people probably don't even know what Shenmue is. Okay, back a long time ago, in the 20th century, there was a game console called Dreamcast. And on the Dreamcast, there was a game called Shenmue. Shenmue kind of broke tradition. Well, they kind of made... They were almost open world, right? It wasn't yeah. fully, because you were on a track. You had to do certain things. But you could wander, go into a store, open a thing, get a drink out of a vending do machine. Do a job kick a thing. Yeah, we, that still gained you something. It wasn't just a side thing. You got stuff from that. You had to keep on a schedule? And it looked better than you... Than you, At the time, you are just like, whoa, because I remember watching. It was just incredible, really. The story was one of those kind of deep, very About traditional... And, yeah, yeah. father-son revenge stuff. And uh, you really loved it. It was pretty groundbreaking, wasn't it, for its time? Um, and then Shenmue 2 came along in the era of the Xbox... The original Xbox. Uh, it was also on the um, Dreamcast as well. But then what happened was the, the second Shenmue game, it was supposed to be a series of... I think it's. I think he said it was going to be seven games. But then the Dreamcast failed. And then Shenmue 2 came out and didn't do as well as it should have done. So Shenmue kind of went out the window. And they left it on a massive... I'm talking massive cliffhanger. So, you, you know... Over the years, Yu Suzuki... That's always bugged you. <laughs> yeah, Yu Suzuki who made it. And Yu Suzuki didn't just make Shenmue. He's the guy who made most of the Sega arcade games that you probably know and love, like Space Harrier and uh, Outrun. All those old arcade games that everybody loves. He was the mastermind behind all that stuff. But um, Virtua Fighter is another one. But um, over the years, he's been saying... Uh, you know, if we got enough money together, we would make another Shenmue game. Or, I've also heard him say, I'm thinking of putting it out as a novel, the rest of the story. Which I would have been cool with too, you know. But, what happened at Sony's press conference is, they said, we've got some important thing here, we want to... You didn't see the actual conference, but the guy said, the Sony executive, there's a game that a lot of gamers love, and we want to get behind it. So here's you, Suzuki. And the Shenmue music came on. And were you like, and every, Yeah, and everybody freaked... Like, you could see people freaking out in the audience. He came on the stage, and Yu Suzuki doesn't speak much English at all. But what English he did say was, We want to make Shenmue 3. We're going to launch a Kickstarter for the fans. If we make enough money from the Kickstarter, we will start making Shenmue 3. And Sony are just here to you know help us, give us a platform to... So then he announced, then they did a countdown, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, with the Shenmue characters in the background. And uh, the Kickstarter went live. And I had a look at it just before we started doing the thing. They've made $3.9 million so far. It's only been up for, what, three days? Yep. Now, they they only wanted $2 million to actually start making the game. And a lot of people have been saying $2 million isn't enough to make a game. And I agree, it's not enough to make a game. Uh, you can make an indie game for $2 million, but for a big, massive, epic-scale game like Shenmue is, there's no way you could make it for $2 million. But that's not actually what's happening. Sony are going to be helping 
them with it. So it could be a $50 million game. It's not really helping, is it? It's, it's just a... I, okay, I'm going to be straight up. It's just like a... It's just a thing. It's like a publicity stunt to get people, A, no, to notice. B, they want to see Gage. Gage, yeah. Who are the people. But even then, it doesn't matter because Sony's already said they're paying for it. Which means you would not give them $20. If you thought they had no oh, other money, for- you would give them $20. But because... You know that they're going to get $50 million. I, I paid. I bought the game. Right, but because you want the game. I'm saying as a Kickstarter? No, I mean, I wanted to support it, too. Because, like, I mean, holy shit. Right, if if anybody should anyway. support it, it's me. It's my game, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, so, but I just think it was a publicity stunt. Trying to try to wrap new technology up with this and kind of show Sony who how many people are interested. And But what is, anyway, long and short of it is, Yu Suzuki's coming out of retirement. He actually retired. He is going to spend the next six months learning the new technology and the new consoles. And then he's going to make Shenmue 3. And it's actually going to come out. It's going to come out 2017. So it is a while off. But before this console, there was, before this conference, there was no more Shenmue in my eyes. (laughs) And after this conference, there's a new Shenmue game coming. So it was just absolutely mind blowing. I was like, oh my God. Anyway. Getting into the conference itself, they showed The Last Guardian, another game that seemed to have disappeared for years and years. It's by the guy who made Ico, and he also made Shadow of the Colossus, and this is his new one. And you saw the trailer, and I saw the trailer. And I'm a big fan of. Shadow I'm a big of the fan of. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the way those games look, the way those games play, and just the feeling of them. They remind me of Legend of Zelda or something. There's a there's a simplicity to them. But there's a real emotional kind of tie to what it looks like. Uh, and this one looks interesting. It looks, it almost looks like a cross between the Ico and Shadow of the Colossus. Like it has both elements in there, you know. The having a partner that you've got to lead. It's not as solitary because you've got somebody with you this time. Like he's more, the Colossi you had to kill, didn't you, in Shadow of the Colossus? You didn't love them, even though they look magnificent. Yeah, they're you were actually killing them. In this, he, the character, the creature that's with you is your friend, and he's helping you. Like you can tell that straight from the first minute. But he's not like those other colossi. No, he's not. No, no. But I think they will. They be. were like buildings and stuff. I think there'll be something. I, I don't think there'll be just him. So um, the Last Guardian is coming uh, holiday 2016. Then they announced a brand new IP called Horizon Zero Dawn, and this is from the Gorilla, the guys who make Killzone. And uh, I thought this looked spectacular. It was one of my games of the show, actually. I, I was just like, it's it's like the world has collapsed. You know, that's a bit... Not sure about that, but, I mean, it's a long time past. And nature is, um, you, know, like, you know, like in The Last of Us, nature reclaims all the buildings. It's kind of gone like that. But then there's these factions of people who've sprung up. It's almost like the world, like, reset and, like, all these tribes came back. And they said, if everybody went extinct, then not extinct, but like back to basics. She said they were all gone. She did say uh, the shadow came, and they're all gone. Yeah, so I don't know. I'm sure that so it may not be Earth. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, true. It may not be. She didn't actually say somehow went somewhere else or came from somewhere else. Yeah, but it you know this demo it, it did this opening sequence where it showed you like, set the story up, and then it goes straight into gameplay. Like, it's not like a movie, and then the game starts. It's like, oh my god, this game actually looks like this when you play it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I was like, whoa. And it's 
what kind of game would you say it is? It's like a, an action game, like a just like, like Shadow Destiny of the Colossus. <laughs> yeah, all those yeah. look same. Yeah, you're, you same know, it's style. third person. Like um, you can see she's a gu- she's a girl or a woman, and she's got a bow, and the world is inhabited with these robots. Basically, they kind of cross between dinosaurs and robots. Well, there's all kinds though. And she's she yeah. walks amongst a herd of them at first, which is really cool, and then she fights a big one. But the game, just how it looks and how it was fluid and how she kept talking when she was doing stuff like it, I just, I just think it was pretty mind blowing. And it's new. It's not something that's a sequel to anything. I always am behind that. And it's called Horizon Zero Dawn. I thought the Killzone guys were going to go and make Killzone 4, but I'm glad they didn't because this looks really promising. Uh, and then they announced a new Hitman game. You know what? I've never been a massive fan of Hitman games, and all this was was a CG trailer of the Hitman running. He's jogging along the road, and he, there was some mission coming into his thing. It looked like another Hitman game. Uh, Street Fighter V is coming to Sony. Exclusive. They bought the rights to Street Fighter V, so all those fighting game fans on the Xbox One can't play it, which I think sucks, but if you want to play Street Fighter, you're going to have to have a PlayStation 4, I guess. And then they showed No Man's Sky a little bit more which is that game where you can explore the entire universe, which I think looks fantastic. But I, looking at this demo that the guy who's making it came on the stage to do, I don't think it's anywhere near done. It mm. seems like it's still in a concept stage. And he, even he, when he was talking, I don't, I think they were kind of forcing him to show it because he was like, oh yeah, you can shoot. It seemed to me he was saying things like what Sony wanted as bullet points, like, because people kept asking, what is this game exactly? And he's kind of like going, well, yeah, you can shoot. And sometimes you can be in a space battle. And sometimes you're exploring. I think Sony said to him, people don't really know what your game is. You're going to have to tell them or show them something. So he came out and it seemed very awkward and forced to me. Um, the next one was called Dreams. It's from the Little Big Planet people, Media Molecule. And I can't even explain this game. It's like uh, an acid trip. And you're inside, like, Van Gogh's head. And you can see all these paintings and stuff. It's really, really bizarre. I didn't even understand how you play it from the guy's demo. I didn't get what it was. It was very conceptual and very avant-garde almost, you know? I don't know what it'll end up being. Maybe that was just uh, an early idea for it. But it was very strange. And it's called Dreams. Uh, Then they showed this game called Firewatch, which I think looks fantastic. You're this fire marshal in a forest and there's a mystery going on and the hook of this game is you're this fire marshal and he's got his walkie-talkie and he's talking to somebody on the walkie-talkie. I guess it's his partner or his boss or something and you're always communicating. There's tons of voice acting. He's always, pretty much always talking and you're exploring this forest and things are happening like in one scene there's some teenagers who have got skinny dipping in the and he's say, telling them like that's dangerous and he's got to stop it. So it's like this fire marshal doing his job, but then I think more mysterious things happen. But the, the big hook is you're talking through this and you're always communicating. And sh- this lady on the other end is telling you, you're telling her stuff and she's telling you stuff. Like So it's this mystery unfolding between the voices. Um, and that's called Firewatch. And that's coming on PC as well. They also showed the Destiny expansion pack. So what they're doing with Destiny is there isn't going to be a Destiny 2. This year they're calling it Destiny Year 2 instead of Destiny 2. So you don't need to buy a new disc. You just buy this new expansion pack which adds a whole new 
it's not an expansion pack. It's more of the size of Destiny, but again. So it's like it is like Destiny 2, but you don't buy a new game. You just buy an expansion pack. Uh, and it's called The Taken King. And Crota, if you've played Destiny and fought Crota, and you know what a bastard he is and how hard he is to kill. Well, Cro- you do kill Crota, obviously, if you've done the raid in Destiny. Well, Crota's um, son, The Taken King, it's all the whole thing's based on him, so that's the expansion. It's coming in September. Uh, then this was a big one for people, not necessarily for me, but it is a big one. Square Enix uh, remaking Final Fantasy VII. Final Fantasy VII is renowned as one of the best RPGs of all time, but it has really aged because it was a PlayStation One game. So if you go back and play it now, it is very, very antiquated. You know that it looks doesn't look very good. It, it's so what they're doing is remaking it completely. And I'm talking like those CGI cutscenes that they did that looked really good back in the time. They're making them up to today's standards like a Pixar right. cartoon. They're doing all the interface again. I'm sorry, yeah, I am still here, by the way. Just so everybody knows, I am still listening. <laughs> and they're doing... They're remaking it properly. It's not just like a HD upgrade. It's like, imagine that game never existed and we were making it today, in today's day and age. So they're remaking that again. Uh, and then, finally, at the um, Sony press conference, they ended with Uncharted for a Thief's End, which looks pff, it's very stun- good. stunning. Yeah, I mean, Uncharted and Naughty Dog specifically. You know, I know Naughty Dog are exclusive to Sony. They're literally at the top of their game, Naughty Dog. They have been since The Last of Us. It is so. Like, when you look at other people's games and then Naughty Dog's games, it's like, what the hell are Naughty Dog doing that's different to everybody else? Because the detail, the voice acting, the, just everything, the scope and the concept of their games is just, I don't know, I don't know. They just, they've got, like, magic. <laughs> and if I was Sony... There's no other and I, I told you I hate that, like, uh, you know, exclusivity deals. But if I was Sony, I would keep hold of those boys because they are some genius fucking... You 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 not really like video games, but you can vouch for The Last of Us. Mm-hmm. It is freaking masterpiece. You know, I'm happy to just watch it the whole thing. They said things when The Last of Us was coming out. One quote I saw was, "It is the Citizen Kane of video games." That's really high praise, right, for something. And I was like, <laughs> I actually kind of agree with it. It is freaking like a classic, like something that you would. In 10 years, look back and go, do you remember The Last of Us? It is fantastic. And I think you could still play it and still experience it. I was never that thing. big a fan of Citizen Kane, so... No, I'm not me either, so I'd have to be <laughs> my... Star I mean, I was or... head film. I went to film class in college for a few years, and we watched it and studied it, And but I know what you're saying. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Naughty Dog on another level. I think they'll study The Last of Us someday. I think they should. Are you going to do this whole list? Do you realize you're going to keep these people for, like, three hours? You're only down to, like, less than half of your list. <laughs> yeah, I, I, mean, I, always, go I always do this. So, um, <laughs> Keep going. Uh, so, um, and then just right at the very end of Sony's conference, they announced that the, they've actually got the DLNA player working for PlayStation 4. So if you've got a PlayStation 4, you can go and update it now, and you can actually play MKV files, AVI files. You can use it as a video watcher, which you couldn't do before. So that is actually really good functionality because you can plug it in, you can load Plex on it, you can use it as a uh, yep, yep. video. Um, so, and that's available now. Then EA had their press conference and they announced not many things actually, but I will go into the main ones. 
There's a new Mass Effect. Mass Effect Andromeda looks exciting. It's not out until the end of 2016. There's also a new Need for Speed coming this year. Do you realise last year there was no Need for Speed? And I was like, what? Because uh, racing games are kind of my thing. Yeah. And last year, Need for Speed took a break for a year. This year, they're back. And they've took it back to the roots of Need for Speed, which I'm really happy about. Full motion video cutscenes, really cheesy full motion video cutscenes, which you might think, oh, why do you want that? Well, it was actually, that was one of the appeals to the old Need for Speeds. It was kind of funny how bad the cutscenes were. And they kind of know that it's kind of cheesy and funny. So they're actually playing on it this time. So it is really cheesy. And they've took it back to um, Need for Speed Underground, which was one of my favorite ones, the tuna culture with the neon. It's Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift, the game, basically. I always love that kind of car racing, so that's coming back, and it's actually out this November. Uh, Unravel was a new game from EA, brand new IP. You're a little woolen man, a man made out of wool, like a little doll that you would buy, and he unravels. <laughs> His, his twine comes away from him, and you use the twine to, to navigate through these platforming ah. levels. And it looks so cute, because everything's made out of wool and uh, yarn and felt, you know, so it just looks, yeah, it looks really cool. Uh, Plants vs. Zombies Garden Warfare 2 is coming. You love Plants vs. Zombies, but you never got into that. You know what? That Plants vs. Zombies Garden Warfare 1. It's a fantastic game if you do. It wouldn't be for you. No. Nope. But for me, it's um, it's basically Call of Duty or Battlefield, but cute. And your kids could play it, and there's nothing violent about it. You're firing seeds at each other. You're, you know, you're throwing tomato bombs. It's just very funny. The levels are all based on the other games. If you're a fan of Plants vs. Zombies, you're always chuckling like, oh, look, there's a giant, you know, there's a sunflower. It's just a really fun game. But they're doing a sequel to it. And I, it looked like it had a lot of new units and stuff, like what they always do with Plants vs. Zombies. Uh, this is the big one for me from EA, Mirror's Edge Catalyst. It's the prequel to Mirror's Edge, Faith's origin story. It looks like it starts... Right. At, it, she's like a child at the beginning of it, it looked like. So Mirror's Edge is another game... Which, this year, this E3, it's mind-blowing. It's like, I when I was watching it, I was like, somebody in the gaming industry has gone, do you know all those games, those nostalgia games that we only did one of and people loved? We're revisiting all those. Like, because Mirror's Edge was a fantastic game. You, you see me play it. It was a brilliant game. But people didn't like it. It didn't sell what they wanted. The projections weren't good enough. And then it just went away. And it's been 15 years. No, not 15 no. years. Seven years, probably. Eight years, maybe. It was on the 360. Right at the very beginning of the 360's life. But, uh... You play it here, so it's been yeah. within nine years. Yeah, I thought it was never going to get a sequel because financially it was kind of cruddy, but they're making a sequel. So, a prequel. Um, and then, Star Wars Battlefront. It's Star Wars. It's... Think Battlefield... Which we're going to say it's Star Wars, it's Battlefront. Well, it's Battlefield. <laughs> EA's Battlefield series with Star Wars. And it looks, if you like first-person shooters and you like Star Wars, it looks like you are playing in the movies. It is really, really, really good. So I'm interested in that one. Then moving on to Ubisoft, and they announced a DLC um, expansion pack for the crew, 
I like the crew because I told you last year it's a racing game where you race across the whole of America. Well, they're doing a big expansion pack for it called Wild Run. They're also doing a new uh, IP called For Honor, and it's a sword fighting game, which is kind of unique. Kind of looks like Assassin's Creed, but like big sword fighting, like old battles, like samurais or like you know knights in castles and all that kind of thing. And it looked really, really, really technologically awesome looking. They're also uh, doing the division. We've seen the division at the last three E3s, but finally they gave it a release date. It's going to be March the 8th, 2016. It's uh, Tom Clancy's The Division. Rest in peace, Tom Clancy. It's um, the end of the world, kind of like The Last of Us. Everything goes shitty. New York City. Uh, some, Some of the zones are infected. You go in with your friends, you clean the zones out. It looks really awesome. The Division. Uh, Assassin's Creed is obviously a new Assassin's Creed. There is one every single year. The new one's called Assassin's Creed Syndicate. It's set in London. It looks really cool. I like the Assassin's Creed games. Um, and then Ubisoft fi- closed the show out and they said, here's a new game that we're working on. And they showed this game and oh my God, it looked amazing. It was like an open world. You can drive around in cars. There's shooting going on. It's like a... And I didn't know what it was, you know, because they didn't say what it was. It was showing this trailer, and I was like, wow, this looks amazing, this looks amazing. And then at the end, it said Ghost Recon Wildlands. So they're bringing Ghost Recon back. That was one of their big franchises that also kind of disappeared because it didn't... People... They kind of run it into the ground a little bit, but it looks like they've reinvented it completely. So that is Ghost Recon Wildlands. Could you scroll my uh, thing down? Because I'm right at the end. Yep. Um, so next, you I'm, are, yeah. I'm finally, I have to stand up. I'm just telling you, <laughs> this is no longer than we normally go. So yes. finally, no, it's not. We're only on an hour. So finally, um, and they never do this before. They, uh, they've never done this before. They have a PC, um, conference. And the PC conference was very un- uneventful. They, they said, oh, we're going to have a whole conference dedicated to the PC. And what it turned out to be was this really lame guy, like pretending to be Conan O'Brien behind a chat show desk. And then PC people came on. Why does Conan O'Brien come to your mind? Just that's how it looks to me with his papers and his desk. Of all the hosts. That's the one I always think of. (laughs) Anyway, this lame guy, he's supposed to be a YouTube celebrity or something. They got him and he interviewed people. And they they went through a ton of PC games and most of them looked... You know, just stuff that comes out on Steam every day. It just looked like, eh, whatever. But some of them stuck out. American Truck Simulator. It's a simulator where you're in a truck. <laughs> you might have played Euro Truck Simulator or heard me talk about it. It's the American version of that, where you can go across and all of America. And you're excited. Yeah, you can go across all of America in a truck. Have your own trucking business. Team up with a friend this time, who can also be in your company. You can have a convoy. You can honk your horns together. It sounds awesome. Oh my god, that sounds awesome. You can go up a hill and you can go down a hill. <laughs> also, uh, Gears of War, I mentioned it earlier, but Gears of War, the Ultimate Edition or whatever it's called, the first Gears of War, is also coming to PC. You can play it in 4K. If you've got the uh, technology to play it in 4K, you can. And finally on the PC, Doom. It's not Doom 4. It's Doom. They've gone back to Doom. It's just Doom. It looked amazing. Like almost like too good and it was gameplay 
And then later on, I've, I found out um, that it was gameplay, and it does look really good, but they were using a $40,000 PC to run it. So when you get it, don't expect it to look quite like that video, because I don't think you've probably got a $40,000 PC at home. So um, that is it for E3. I thought it was a great show, just because Shenmue 3 got announced. I'm also really looking forward to um, Uncharted 4, because I think that looks fantastic. Uh, and those are my highlights, really. Need for Speed, Star Wars. It's going to be a good year for games. A good fall. And a good next next year is going to yeah. be especially good. So, um, Sid Talk, what is for dinner? Today? What's for dinner? It's going to be corn, Q-U-O-R-N, uh, chicken, which is not chicken, C-H-I-K apostrophe N. Yeah. We don't eat meat, so it's... Stuff. Yeah, stuff. <laughs> uh, we're using those, that, in some Thai coconut curry with some couscous, which is fantastic. Throw some peas and carrots in there, boil up the sauce, throw in the patties. I like those patties. We've oh had them a God, few times this so week, good. but they are really good. Really good. Yeah. And uh, my advice is to stop trying to find hidden things in what people say. I fucking hate this. I am a very straightforward person. I am really straightforward. Occasionally, I'm too straightforward for some people. I don't care. I'd rather be straightforward and say exactly what I mean. And if the other person wants to, like, dig around, I might be talking to you sometimes, dig around and think I'm saying something else. Like, today, for example, I said, whoa, you're going to read that whole list? And you go, well, I won't. I'll try not to bore you. And I said, I did not say that you were boring. I was joking. I don't care. It's still, it's not what I said. If I thought you were going to bore me, I would say, oh my god, I'm going to get so bored. That's what I'm saying. And loads of people do it. Dig around in what other people say and try to find something else that isn't there. Now, some people are sneaky jerks and they do sort of have a layer of bullshit in front of what they mean. I am not that person. In fact, I have to, I'm an all or nothing person most of the time. If I can't say exactly what I mean to you without hurting your precious little feelings, I probably won't say anything. I won't make small talk. I won't say half of it. I'll just won't say it. So that's it. Just stop digging around for what people aren't saying. All right. So <laughs> I will remind you about our website, saysfully.com, sids.com. You can catch us on social networking sites, Twitter and Facebook. You can also catch this podcast on Xbox Music. RSS feed, just go to acefully.com, click on the word podcast, you can listen or subscribe there, you can go to the iTunes music store, or you can go to stitcher.com, search for after the show. <clears throat> you can catch, um, I'm a, spoke too much, I'm going horse, as they say. You can email feedback to me at acefully.com, don't email Sid Talk, she hates your guts, and... I don't hate anybody. Um, stay classy E3 good, it was good E3 this year I think it was focused on games and nothing else and that is what we want and I'm gonna say think for yourselves or someone's doing it for you <laughs>